0: Got a podium, <laughs> uh. huh? Yeah. Well, we've had grilled meat. Now we're going to grill David. That's how <laughs> I look at it. Uh, I want to thank you all for coming out and thank you for the wonderful meal. Uh, just a few things. I need to back up, Perel. <laughs> um, remember, set your clocks ahead an hour early tonight. It's Daylight Savings Time, I'm sure that's correct. And we'll probably have to vacuum, do a little cleanup downstairs, I don't know we didn't do any Wednesday, so we're having the meal tonight. Um, before we start with the Q&A, let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful for this time. We're thankful for David and his willingness, Father, to want to follow your leading, Father, to be our pastor here. I just pray that as a church, Lord, we would know your will, and we know it completely, Father, and Lord, we desire to do whatever you want us to do, Father. And Father, just bless this time together. We thank you for all those who put the questions in, prayed the meal, and been praying throughout this time. Lord, we just seek your will and guidance, and I just pray tonight would be a time that will honor you, and Father, just help us give us direction on what we should do here at, our, at your local church. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay got about 50 questions to go through, they're in three or four different categories. I will be asking the questions, and then David will respond, and then we'll go from there. And if you have any follow-up questions, we'll we'll just see how that goes. So, these first uh, nine questions are personal in nature, just background basically. Um, Who are your heroes, why, and who are they? Not Superman, Batman, I mean. (laughs)
1: Um, I would say that I have a number of people that I look up to. I'm not sure I'd use the terminology heroes as, uh, everybody that I look up to are fallen people, but, um, I would look up to my grandparents, especially my grandpa Adler. Um, he's had a huge impact on my life, and I just love, uh, watching the way he interacts with my grandma. Uh, it's been a great example to me. Um, so that'd be one thing. Uh... I've enjoyed a lot of my professors as well. Uh, Dr. Dan has had a huge impact on uh, the way I look at pastoral ministry. There would be others as well, but
0: um, we'll we'll go from there. That's good. Okay. Uh, How do we combine these two? Is there anything in our church constitution you would disagree with or anything in there that you would encourage to be changed in the church constitution?
1: Yeah, so I'd be in agreement with the church constitution and I'd be in agreement with the church's doctrinal statement. Uh, one thing that I would be in the interested in adding would be a church covenant. Um, I know gasps. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, church covenants tend to be very legalistic almost, uh, so I'd want there to be a slight change in the way the church covenant is approached. But I think there's a benefit to us saying, these are valuable things that a church should agree that we're all going to pursue doing these things. So, not so much like we won't do this, we'll do this, but more uh, principles, I think, would be a good thing. I think that there are some things that you can just say, black and white, you know, we're not going to do this. But far more about what we will agree to do instead of we, what we won't do. More about what we're about
0: and not what we're not about. Okay. Uh, next question uh, What is your personal practice? And view on tithing? Okay.
1: Um, I don't actually follow a strict uh, understanding of. Let me start over. Um, so, going back to like our message on Sunday night, I talked about us not being under the law, but being under grace, uh, being led by the Holy Spirit. So, I would say that the tithe is actually an Old Testament law principle. You don't see the tithe actually re. Mentioned after we're under grace. So what does that mean about how I view giving? I believe giving should be something that's done out of generosity, that's motivated by God's grace. Um, you look at um, Philippians chapter 4 where Paul ends his epistle and he's talking to the Philippians, that's the church at Macedonia, and he says, you alone have joined in my ministry, and he actually tells them that they've done this out of their extreme poverty and. uh 1 Corinthians chapter 8. So if a church that is extremely poor is the only church that joins in Paul's ministry, I think that's an example of how we should give. Uh, I don't think there's a percentage. I would say most believers in America today are failing to give sacrificially and generously if they're not giving at 10%. But I think that a lot of believers, if they give at 10%, are not giving sacrificially. They're not giving generously. And so they're not doing
0: enough. Okay. Um, what are the last five <coughs> books you have read, and which was the most helpful? Hmm.
1: Five books that I last read. <laughs> so uh, I've read Z, which is a biography. I'm in the middle of reading. Three books that I've started but have not finished would be uh, Conflict, forgetting the name. It's about conflict by Priolo, I think. Uh, I'm in the middle of reading Brethren, We Are Not Professionals by Piper, and I'm also in the middle of reading Scrappy Church by uh, Tom Rayner. Before that, that takes us further back. Probably, probably good and angry, and then also maybe addictions. A banquet in the grave. Um, addictions. A banquet in the grave. Probably uh, challenged me and made me think about like the way I ate in a more biblical way. So that was challenging, just in a practical way. Um, Zvi was encouraging. It's a Christian biography about a Jew who became a Christian. So that was just encouraging to read a story on that manner.
0: Okay. Let's see. Um, how do you live out your faith in God at church, work, and at home? Okay.
1: Um, so at church, I try to be far more involved in uh, ministry. Um, if you were to contact my two previous churches and they were to tell you that I was highly involved, they would probably not be telling you everything that they should. Um, So I've tried to involve myself in ministry a lot more. Um, And then family and then work, is that the other two?
0: Mm,
1: Work and home, yes. Work and home, okay. Um, So at work, I try to be a good role model. There have been times where I haven't been. Um, Well, not recently. Sometime at the beginning of the school year, Somebody went into a restroom that clearly said that the restroom was closed, and I thought somebody was in there, but I didn't know, so I said something like, "Uh, is anybody in here? There's a closed sign on the restroom, and as soon as the person said yes, I was like, (sighs) audibly, you know, so they knew that, you know, I'm unhappy with their uh, presence in a closed restroom. And later on, I went and I apologized. So trying to keep a short record of uh, wrongs that I've done with people. Um, and then home, uh, we try to um, put God as a priority. Um, Bethany and I uh, try to spend time in prayer together. Not so much prayer, but more spend time reading God's word. Um, that's been more challenging with the baby. It's just kind of changed the way our routine is. Um, I try to spend uh, time in prayer um, for family and then also for church stuff on a daily basis. And then um, I try to read <coughs> scripture myself, and then I also try to listen to um, uh, the ESV through the Bible. Uh, so that takes you through the Bible in a year uh, in an audio format. And then I also listen to the ESV Digging Deeper which is another like 10 minutes of scripture reading. Um, I don't do that every day, um, but I've tried to do that every day this year. So I've, that's something that I've started doing in addition to my personal time, just kind of more of a uh, – my personal time is maybe a little bit more devotional, um, and then that's more of just like a biblical knowledge buildup. I don't, I don't view it so much as a devotional time, but just as like a – being more familiar with the storyline of the Bible because it's more in a longer, quicker format. It's not contemplative because I'm doing stuff while I do it. So I don't have the opportunity to like pause it while I'm cleaning a restroom and think, what does this mean? It's just I listen to it for background, for understanding the bigger thing.
0: Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Bethany rebuttal? <coughs> no. <laughs> um what are four Bible colleges that you would recommend?
1: Wow, some good questions. Excellent. Uh, Faith Baptist Bible College. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I would, um, with with the understanding that I'm not recommending them necessarily for ministry training, I would be willing to. Um, have somebody consider Bob Jones um, I looked at them for uh, a potential Bible college to go to and decided not to just because they weren't quite as Baptistic as I wanted them to be um, Liberty's not bad once again I, I don't really know very much about them and then Maranatha what am I at three
0: now four I'm at four so we're good we're good we got four. Oh, <laughs> well, this would be an easy one for you. <laughs> Do you have any conferences you would like to attend?
1: Yeah, so I just uh, emailed the pulpit committee yesterday. Uh, for this year, I would like to go to the IRBC conference, um, which is in early April, and then the GRBC conference, which is in uh, late June. Um, in future years, I would be interested in going to others. Um, right now, though, as we are at a GRBC IRBC church. And I'm not very familiar with what's going on. Um, I would like to go to those so that I'm kind of more in the loop with our association. Um, I would be interested in probably going to Lafayette again, um, which we might talk about more later on. I have not seen any of these questions. So um, I don't know what's coming down the pike. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then, yeah. Those three are the ones that I'd probably be interested in going to
0: at this time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, What does your wife think about being a pastor's wife and the responsibilities that it involves?
1: My wife is fully supportive of me pursuing ministry in whatever way that looks like. And so uh, if that's a pastor's wife, she's happy with that. And if it means that we head off to Africa and we only see our grandparents for her mom and dad, every three or four years, she's
0: willing to do that as well. So, oh, that's interesting. Now we're getting to the pastoral questions. The first one is, uh, what led you to seek? What led you to seek a pastoral position and not a place in the mission field?
1: Okay, yeah. So this is something that I struggled with quite a bit. I went back and forth. Um, I'll kind of take you back to why I believe I was called to the ministry, and then we can kind of, I'll talk to you a little bit about. Uh, why the pastor? At why not missions? So I grew up in Ghana, West Africa. Most of you know that. Uh, in government class, probably in ninth or tenth grade, um, I began to learn how our government in the United States was supposed to function, and I became quite annoyed and uh, desired to see that changed. Not so much the actual way that it's supposed to function, but the way that it was practically functioning. Um, and so I decided I was going to pursue politics, and so. Um, sometime in there though, we had a missions conference in Ghana, and one of the uh, missionaries from our church in Ghana that our church had sent out came and he preached and he taught from, um, how will they hear unless they are sent and how will they um, how will they believe unless they are here and how will they hear unless they are sent? And that really began to work in my heart. But I still really wanted to pursue politics. Um, Number one, because missionaries aren't very well known, and I wanted to make a name for myself. I would have been quite happy being the President of the United States, and everybody knows the name MAPES and how to spell it without (laughs) me telling it. Um, And so I came back to the States in 2009 planning that I was going to go to either Cedarville uh, or BJU and do a pre-law degree, and then I was hoping to go to Trinity Evangelical Law School uh, in Illinois and work on my law degree, and then... I wanted to settle in the Midwest because I figured, you know, my values are pretty Midwestern. I'm not really from the Midwest, but I kind of know, you know, I feel like those people represent me better than, like, the East Coast or the West Coast. So I'll go there because I can get a name in politics uh, locally and then kind of work my way up. Well, I got a job uh, working at a timber mill, and I got a job working for uh, Walmart. And as I began to interact with people, um, one of the guys that started working at the timber mill with me, was a younger man than myself. He was probably eighteen and I was about nineteen. And he got a girl pregnant who was a minor. And he didn't go to jail because they didn't decide to actually file charges, but it was just like, wow, you could legislate like there's already laws in the books about this. You can't do this. It's statutory rape. Um, and it didn't stop it. It actually still happened. Um, and then there's some People at Walmart that I worked with that were just completely immoral, and it's like there's no laws telling them that they can't act out those immoral things that they were doing. But what what difference is it if I legislate those laws, and then they still go to hell? And God was still working in my heart, reminding me of you know how are people going to believe unless someone sins, and how will they believe unless they hear? And so. God kept reminding me of that, and pretty soon after um, I started working at RY and I started working at uh, Walmart, I decided, you know what, I really need to go into the ministry. So uh, I was planning at that time to actually go into uh, church planting or uh, pastoring a church in the United States. Uh, Really, missions was completely off my radar. Uh, I got to college, took a missions class, and began to think more about, you know, well maybe missions is something that i would be interested in doing Um, my parents then started thinking that they're probably going to be working in the bible college in ghana and i'd really enjoyed my bible college experience i was like well maybe that's what i should do i should go uh... teach in a bible college in ghana because i really don't think a lot of mission fields get to the point where you really need to like let them be independent so you don't want to continually send american missionaries over there and They're not really independent. They're not led by nationals. So, you know, if if I were to go and work in a Bible college, then I could um, influence that in a more positive, more quick direction towards national leadership. And ultimately, I just didn't feel like that's where God wanted me to spend my life. And so um, I have a burden for Americans, and it appears as if God has opened some doors in that direction. So at this time, uh, that's what I'm pursuing. Having said that, I would be very interested in like short-term type stuff, uh, in a missions type way, whether it's in Ghana or someplace else. I very much love missions. I am a missionaries kid. So.
0: Yes. yes, you are. Uh, you may have personally answered this. Why do you feel called to serve here at Emmanuel specifically?
1: One of the things that I appreciate about Emmanuel and the possibility of working here is, um, in many ways, over the last four and a half years, we've grown to love you, me and my wife, and so uh, we know a lot of you, and it'd be really fun to uh, work with a body of believers that I already know, whereas um, if I were to go to Washington, another church I've talked to there, or Illinois, or uh, New York State. I don't really know them so um, that's one of the things that just like building on my four and a half years uh, that I've already been here I think that there's also quite a bit of potential here Um, you guys have a really great location and while there's lots of churches in Des Moines that preach the gospel there's also lots of people in Des Moines that don't go to a gospel preaching church so um, I don't think that there's uh, that much competition for the um, thousands of people that are in our neighborhood, and somebody should be reaching them. So I'm already here, and I'd be excited to work here if that's what God
0: wants. Okay, um, combine these What do you feel is the primary and secondary responsibilities of a pastor?
1: Yeah, so the primary responsibility, I think, is the preaching, teaching responsibility of a pastor. So if you go to 1 Timothy 5.17, it talks about the elder who rules well, and it says, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So I'd say that that's the primary responsibility. Probably the second responsibility is actually prayer. Um, It's probably something that we don't think about very much, um, but I would say that that needs to be highly ranked. When you look at Acts 6, um, the apostles say, Let's get six people to help us in the ministry so that you guys can minister primarily to the physical needs and we can dedicate ourselves to the preaching and to prayer. So those would be two of the things that I think are at least more highly ranked than many of the other things. I'm not sure I'd say that they're the top two. I would lean towards it, but I'm not sure I'm ready to just be like dogmatic. They have to be the top two. Yeah, so preaching and teaching, I would see as uh, fairly synonymous in my answer. I would see a distinction in application. So um, on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, I would consider that my preaching ministry. Um, So if you were here uh, last Sunday, if you're here tomorrow, um, what I do for Sunday a.m. worship and what I do for Sunday p.m. worship would be preaching. What I do for Sunday school, what I do for um, Wednesday night, I would consider more of a teaching ministry.
0: Okay. Let's see. What is your vision for Emmanuel Baptist Church and some of the goals you have to accomplish that vision? Okay.
1: So, a church is supposed to be a disciple making organism. Okay. So, how do we go about making disciples of you? One of the things that I would um, want to do is to see us be better disciples. And how do we go about doing that? I think a lot of how we go about doing that is uh, through faithfully showing what God's word says. And then also through, uh, I try to do that without really showing you how I do it. I just kind of do it. So I take God's word on Sunday morning, on Sunday night. I open it up and I tell you, this is what God's word says. Uh, When I do more of a teaching ministry, so on Sundays for Sunday school, when I do it on a Wednesday nights, I'm trying to show you and to ask questions that help you lead to how do I pick up my Bible and be a disciple or a disciple myself without having a pastor there who uh, practically tells me this is what God's word says and this is exactly how it applies to your life. And you depend on and lean upon me to Uh, be the means by which you grow all the time. So you should be able to open your Bible and read it and go, oh, wow, this word says this, this word says this, that means this. And then this is the result that says that. It's very clear. The words make sense that way. Um, So I think one of the big things that we need to do is we need to learn how to study God's word better. Um, The other thing I kind of pointed at Um, by way of how do we become a disciple-making organism is I think that we need to have a higher emphasis on prayer and also a higher emphasis on what we pray for. Um, So if you were here Wednesday night, we did our prayer time a little different. I would like us to see that expanded. Um, So my teaching ministry on Wednesday nights, I envision being shorter, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. Corporate time of prayer specifically for the church being a 20, 25 minute increment, and then personal prayer requests in groups being more of a 20-minute time period. So um, those are some things that I would see as um, some of the first steps that we would take in becoming a church that makes disciples of you so that you're also equipped to actually go and to reach out and to present the gospel to your friends and neighbors and show them, hey, I'm a disciple, and I can be your discipler.
0: may have touched on this, but what are your top priorities in regards to the ministry? So um,
1: I would say that my primary responsibilities are preaching, teaching kind of as a combined idea, though I do see a distinction. We've already talked about that. And I think that the pastor is also spend, supposed to spend a great deal of time in prayer. Um, there are lots of other responsibilities. You have administration. um and on and on down the list, um, so a pastor should be involved in lots of different aspects. But the primary things that a pastor is supposed to be, supposed to be involved in are the preaching, teaching, and then the uh, prayer
0: ministry. I think. Sure. Okay. <coughs> what do you feel are your main strengths, main strength, and weaknesses as an individual?
1: Uh,
0: as an individual, like personally, or like. As an individual that's supposed to be a pastor, well, you can combine those. That was the next question. <laughs> that was the next question. Very good. <laughs> Your strengths and weaknesses, individual, pastor.
1: Seen into the future? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Strength or weakness? <laughs> Strength. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, my weaknesses, um, I would say, in the pastoral ministry. Um, I would actually say I'm not a very good preacher um, so I don't think that my pulpit presence is uh, I'm not I'm not John MacArthur I'm not um, anybody super famous so uh, I would say that that's one of my weaknesses um, I feel like I have on the other side though I feel like I do have an ability so a strength would be, I do have an ability to look at scripture and say, this is what it means. I don't feel like I'm the best communicator in a public manner of what that scripture looks like practically. So there's a slight distinction. There. I feel like, I, I feel equipped to know what it means. I don't feel like I'm the best person in explaining it publicly. I'm not sure I'm very strong there. So that's something that I'm continuing to work on. Uh, not saying excellent so much. Uh, back when John Mondo was here, he would count how many times I said, um, and he would give me updates. (laughs) So, uh...
0: One.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. We have a... (laughs) Oh, I said excellent, too. (sighs) You're doing fine, David. So, uh, am I supposed to mention multiple strengths and weaknesses or just one of each? I can't remember the question.
0: <laughs> Top
1: two. How's Top that? two? Top okay. two. Um, I, I would say that I am fairly good with people, so I like to hang out with people. And um, another weakness
0: Oreos?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I- if you're talking especially on a personal side, like, it's, it's very hard to be disciplined. Like, if I have Oreos at home, I might not go and consume, like, a whole row now anymore, but, like, I'll <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, but um, it's very difficult to be disciplined and not, like, have three every day. So um, just what am I depending on, what am I going to for, um, for relax, for – letting off tension after a day of work or after a uh, stressful test or whatever
0: the case may be Yeah. yeah. okay um, you are younger and less ex- and have less experience than others what would you try to do to make up for that
1: yeah so I would um, kind of piggybacking on who are my heroes um, there are people in my life that I would go to um, for help that I would go to um, to ask questions about you know, how would you approach this um, uh, so my grandpa is one that I would be happy to go to him um, he was in the ministry all over the states mainly working with Native Americans um, my dad I've talked to him uh, a number of times even in the last uh, couple of months as I've been talking with this church and seeking advice from him I've talked to my mom. Um, there's a limit to how far I'd go with this, but I've talked to my sisters. My sisters aren't able to be pastors, but uh, especially my two older sisters, I highly value um, their opinion. I have a high view of them. Um, I have Dr. Dan that I ask questions of. Um, I would at times go to uh, Dan, Bungie. Um, I've also started talking a little bit with the Jeremy Estrema, um, so, he's offered to be available to ask questions to him. I don't uh, personally know him, so it's something that we're building a relationship, and um, I can go and ask him questions if I have them. So, those are some people that I would seek advice from vir- during various situations. Each one of them, I would say, have their own strengths. Um, so, there are some questions that I'm not going to go to Joe because. I already know what Joe's opinion is, and I know my doctrinal conviction, or I know my uh, practical application is going to be different from his. So I might ask him, but I already kind of know that I have a firm, strong doctrinal conviction, and I'm not going to go that way if he wants to. None of them do this, but if one of them said, you know, you really should use the message when you preach, you know, we're not going to do that. So I'm not going to go ask him what he thinks about that. So. Um, Various ones have various strengths, and so I'd go to various ones for
0: different questions in various areas. Very good. good. Okay, now we'll get into the preaching portion. Um, Would you explain the difference between expository and topical preaching, and what is your preference between those, and how much would you use each?
1: Okay. So uh, topical preaching can be and should be expository. Uh, That might shock some of you um but a biblical message is always expository having said that um uh, picking up kind of on the previous question about my youth and inexperience, one of the things that I am concerned about for me personally is if I were to preach primarily topical sermons that I would go to a text and force a sermon into the text that the text is not intending to teach um so I would view myself Primarily, especially at the beginning part of my ministry, um, going through books. Um, So one of the things I would like to do is go through the Gospel of John. I envision that being Sunday mornings um, for the first year or so, maybe a year and a half, maybe two. I'm not sure how long I would take with it. Um, And then in the evenings, doing something in the Old Testament. Uh, There are times where you can do, (laughs) some people are shocked that I would open the Old Testament. (laughs) Um, There are times where you can and should do various topical messages. Um, So like a topical message for uh, big holidays where you expect to have extra guests. I might break from a study in the Gospel of John to do a sermon for Easter because maybe my text that I was going to be at for the Gospel of John, isn't really a resurrection sermon. It's maybe uh, Jesus making the water into wine in John 3. Um, And the two don't necessarily jive. So there are times that I might break from a uh, textual study through a book to go do something that's special, maybe for Mother's Day, Father's Day. I'm not saying that I would necessarily. Um, It's a question I'm still kind of on the fence about. My immediate thought right now is kind of like um, for Mother's Day and Father's Day telling stories about uh, mother type figures in my own life and provide an example like three five minutes at the beginning of a sermon honoring women and moms in that way and then just going into uh, where I would be in a normal week so I've honored moms I've honored fathers or whoever it is but I'm not necessarily breaking and trying to find a text that fits into Mother's Day Um, so All sermons should be expository, um, but I would envision my ministry at least at the beginning being very uh, textual through books. As I have more experience, I may be more comfortable at times doing more topical, but at least for the first part, probably the first five, maybe ten years, I'd be very much, we're going through a book of the Bible.
0: Okay, and that kind of leads into our next question that we have, if you were to choose One or more series of topics to begin today or in the near future, what do you think that would be as it relates to the needs that we have here at Emmanuel?
1: Yeah, so um, I have a couple of different ideas. Part of me hesitates to, uh, I've already mentioned, morning, Sunday mornings, I'd like to go through the Gospel of John, Um, in part because I'm afraid that too many of us don't really understand how to personally share Jesus with somebody. And the Gospel of John was written so that you may believe and have eternal life. That's what John says at the end of the book. So if I'm afraid that too many of us don't really know how to sit down across from somebody and say, this is how you know Jesus, I want to take us through a book that's purposely trying to say, this is how you believe Jesus. This is why this book was written. So Sunday mornings, Gospel of John, that's my reason behind it. Um, Sunday nights, a part of me really wants to start at Genesis. Uh, the other part of me really wants to begin at, like, uh, Judges. Uh, judges continually mentions the idea of uh, them doing what was right in their own eyes. And so kind of emphasizing and pointing us to we need to do what God wants us to do as a church. So um, those are two ideas that are kind of bouncing around in my mind for evenings. I'm not sure where I'd settle. But.
0: Okay. Very good. Uh, where are we? From the pulpit, how do you do address the church when asking people to come forward if they desire to accept Christ as a personal Savior? Or I guess maybe the question is, do you have like an altar call in your services? So um, my view on this
1: would be heavily influenced by uh, Dr. Tillotson, the president of Faith Baptist Bible College and Theological Seminary. Uh, what he does is he uh, makes an invitation and then if somebody wants to, They approach him at the end of the service when he's shaking hands, and then he meets them at their house and shares with them the gospel. So if God really wants them to get saved, they're probably not going to die, or not probably, they won't die in the next uh, day and a half before I get to their house. Um, That way, you're not having as many emotional decisions um, with, you know, an emotional thing has happened in their life. They come up forward, but at the same time, you're not just leaving it to them and the pews to make the decision, and there's no when talking through the subject with them. So making a plea, because the gospel is something that we're supposed to plead with people to receive, but then not expecting necessarily a decision right then, setting a decision date down the road so that they have time to think about it, and then I can sit down with them one-on-one and actually have time
0: to talk with them in a personal way. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about notes? Using We've used them in the past. We used them last Sunday. Uh, we've used them in the future. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so right now my view is I would use them. Uh, There is uh, a good argument. I'm not saying – I'm not there yet. I'm still using notes. Uh, But there is a solid argument for the idea that uh, notes can be entertainment. And so I don't want you to come to church for entertainment Mm -hmm. uh, purposes. And so um, you may have noticed I tried to tone down my PowerPoint. Uh, It used to be, like when I did Ecclesiastes, I tried to find pictures that maybe went with stuff. I've tried to cut back on that, in part because I don't want it to be something that's entertaining. It shouldn't detract from the actual message of God's Word. So um, having said that, I still like the idea of having notes, um, but I also see the danger that they can present as entertainment and detract from God's Word.
0: Now we're going to the section uh, we labeled the church fundamentals. Well, what do you think is the greatest danger to the local church, and what can you do to fix it or avoid the, the greatest danger to the local church? Hmm.
1: I was listening to a podcast. I'm going to tell a story, and then I'm going to answer the question. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. When you clean toilets for 8 to 12 hours a day, you can listen to a lot of stuff. Uh, so I was listening to a podcast and it was talking about uh, how to write, so trying to develop your writing skills. And one of the um, things that they said was, uh, as much as possible, don't do hot takes, which is kind of like, you know, something's a big topic or a big question in culture and you just kind of write something without really thinking about it for a long time and just answering. So uh, having said that, this is kind of a hot take. Um, I didn't get these questions ahead of time, so I'm kind of answering um, without really thinking about it in much depth. Uh, I'd probably say apathy. So um, if you remember, uh, was it nine months ago, a year ago, something like that, I preached through uh, Revelation 3, and it talks about losing the first love. I would say that's probably one of the biggest dangers is that uh, people are Christians, but they just don't have a passion to uh, disciple one another, to disciple themselves, and to make disciples of others. It's just yeah, we're Christians. It's what we do, but there's no fire under them.
0: Uh, someone, someone, what is the greatest danger to the purity, purity of the local church? Uh,
1: The greatest danger I'd say to the purity of a local church is allowing, um, known sin to just go unchecked. So, um, a failure to follow the process of church discipline, and having said that, I think church discipline um, may be a better name for it. Is actually church restoration, um, so that the goal isn't so much just that we're disciplining you, and you put the little kid in the corner and they stay there, but rather the goal of church discipline or church restoration is that we would restore that erring brother, not put him in a corner and leave him there but that we as a church would come around him and um, seek to help him or her um, through whatever sin is in their life. So if a church doesn't do that right um, or fails to do it, very quickly, uh, we're all in sin and we're quite content and happy
0: with ourselves. Okay. Uh, What are some of the most important ideas and practices that help cultivate health in a local church? So um, you need to
1: have a church that is following God's word. So um, how a pastor gets up every week and explains God's word. Um, However you preach, as long as you're preaching expository sermons. So uh, you could have a pastor who preaches topically. Another one of the concerns with topical sermons is um, I can get on a hobby horse that I want to address and only address that. So I could... Uh, get up every Sunday and simply only address uh, baptism and just hammer home. You know you need to be baptized by immersion. Uh, one of the things we tease my professor about one time. I preached her some. I preached a sermon and uh, I said baptism does not save. And my professor said you can never say that enough. And I said so. If I got up in a sermon and I just said for the whole sermon baptism cannot save, would I have said it too much? And he goes probably not. Um, <laughs> Well, you, you can um, say something too much. So uh, solid preaching, prayer, are um, very clear. Other things I'm hesitant to say at this time, there's a clear, like, if you do step one, step two, step three, step four, um, you're automatically going to have a healthy church. Um seems to me the primary things that scripture emphasizes are the prayer and the teaching ministry Um, not only of the pastor, the pastor is supposed to equip the saints for the work um, but the whole congregation so I think those are the primary things there are secondary things but I would say that your primary attributes to leading to a healthy church are your prayer and teaching ministry or preaching preaching, teaching. I'm using them interchangeable, but I understand they're not interchangeable. So just stay in your
0: seats. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. um, how do churches grow according to the Bible? So
1: one of the things that I think that we underplay is the value of prayer. Um, I think the other thing is uh, we undervalue in our society way too much the value of uh, personal friendships. So um, the chance of me seeing a Facebook post that you post and through that realizing my uh, depravity and realizing my sinfulness and the fact that I need to turn to Christ and uh, accepting Christ and then as a result the next day walking into Emmanuel Emanuel Baptist Church, not very high, <coughs> okay? Uh, so we, we underplay the value of um, friendships. The other thing that I think we undervalue way too much, and it depends on where you work, how much you can practically live this out and actually talk about it, is, is work. I mean, um, we're awake for, what, 16, 17, 18 if you're like my professor, he says if you get more than five hours of sleep, you got five hours – if you get ten hours of sleep, you got five hours too many. So okay. assuming you're Dr. Hartog second, 19 hours a day, um, and if you go and you work a professional-type job, most people work 50 to 60 hours a week. Uh, Not-so-professional jobs are 40 hours a week. Uh, but if you're like a lawyer or something like that, a lot of people work 50, 60 hours a week. A huge percentage of our time is at work. And I think all too often there's a disconnect between uh, my faith at home. So all too often our preaching application is driven towards uh, what does this look like in your home? What does this look like uh, between your husband and your wife? What does this look like between your kids? And I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are very good things. We should keep doing those. But uh, look around you, how many people sitting next to you either within the last 10 years um, weren't married or um, aren't married or they don't have kids. But they maybe still work. So um, you're you're assuming sometimes by application that everything's lived out at your home and so much more is lived out at work. And so if we live out our faith in such a way that people see it at work, um, and then we can make friends with them, it opens doors so that we can present the gospel. Because they're going to say, why are you different? Because uh, you're weird. It's kind of like if you remember um, my professor was talking about my sister and how she never kissed the guy. And he used that as an illustration here a couple of weeks ago. And the coworker of my sister thought that was really weird. It is really weird. People wonder why we're different.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, here's one near and dear to my heart. What is the duty of the deacons? (laughs) So all too often, um,
1: I would say in a lot of Baptist churches, uh, deacons function a little too much like uh, pastors so that a lot of the leadership responsibilities fall on deacons. So deacons' primary responsibility is serving and caring for. Uh, You see that in the name deacon means servant. Any follow-ups? <laughs> 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 at our next meeting. <laughs> <far>.
0: <laughs> um, do you have any training and or and/or experience on the bi- related to the business side of the church and what plans do you have for that side of things? Uh,
1: what I'm do you th- mean by business? I'm thinking
0: maybe budgets. Um, budgets? The financial side. You know, things that go on behind the behind okay. scenes of the church.
1: Um, so... Part of my internship was sitting in on uh, the budgeting meeting for the fiscal year 2017. Um, So I did that technically before I started my internship. Uh, You can sue the church later. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) And then I sat in for the one for uh, the next year. So um, I sat in for two business meetings dealing with that. I was at, I believe, all the business meetings that were like deacon and pastor meetings uh, during my internship, and one prior and one after. So um, that would be a lot of my practical experience. My first internship in college did not include a lot of the administrative type stuff. Um, Any other follow-up? You can ask other questions if you will. I feel like I've just talked about financial, mm-hmm. and there's more to. I don't feel like I have as much practical experience um, answering phone calls. I didn't really sit in the office and answer phone calls. Part of my internship wasn't that. Um, Can you use the phone? I know it's a little tricky. <laughs> Seriously. I Seriously. have not used this church's phone. I don't think. Right. I have my own. And it is put on silent, so if you call me right now, um, it won't ring. Um, I
0: I don't know what else.
1: uh, If you have any other follow-ups, I don't know who asked the question or what they're really driving at. So I don't want to like dodge it, but at the same time, uh, a lot of my internship um, was the preaching, teaching, and then one-on-one discipleship and by that uh, discipleship all too often we think of it as like a formal thing where like I sit down across from you and we talk about God's word but discipleship really should happen as I go out to coffee with you so um, a lot of it was that I have had taking classes in church administration kind of going on the question a while back about what other conferences would you be interested in going to Um, one of the things that I would be interested in doing is um, there's a church administration two class that faith offers, uh, and it's offered every other summer. Um, I'd be interested in going to that. Um, I, ha- I haven't because of scheduling conflicts between uh, work and not having vacation and then the fact that it's only offered every other year. So I think it's not offered this year. I think it's offered in 2020, but I'd have to look at the schedule. So I'd be interested in doing stuff like that to continue to develop. So I've had classroom experience, uh, but actually like sitting in the office and um, dealing with phone calls and stuff like that, I didn't didn't do that. I don't know. If you have a follow up, if you submitted the question, please ask. Talk to me on Sunday. I'm happy to talk about it more, but I don't really have a lot of practical
0: business experience. Okay, yeah. Just follow David if you have any other questions. Um, let me see. How would you lead the church to glorify and honor God, even in the little things regarding church ministries, if there's are considered such things as little things in a church? And if you need clarification, I'm not sure what the question. But if you want to, ask a clarifying question for David. Now's yeah. time.
1: if if you submitted it, please clarify because. I'm not sure exactly what you want me to answer um how would i lead the church to glorify god in the small things is that what yeah in the, the
0: little things. things
1: even in the small things um i assume you i assume the question is driving at small things within the ministry confines of the church Thank you,
0: That's my you best don't know my all best right
1: <laughs> um well, if I see something that I think doesn't glorify God, I'll try to address it. Um, some of the smaller things, maybe, um, at times, are my own fault. Um, so there are weeks where I choose songs. I don't know if you knew that, but there are weeks that I choose songs, and I don't get them out to the poor musicians very early. So when I get them out to the musicians on uh, Friday, and they don't have time to practice. And that doesn't go very well. It's probably my fault, and it doesn't glorify God. So how could I, um, in a practical situation like that, uh, trying to get him out earlier in the week. I'm not sure exactly, though, what the question's going at. Um, if, you, if you ask the question, you can clarify. I won't be mad.
0: How's the time? I hope I answered. I don't know. Uh, see how kind of like we have with this one um might need a little clarification too how would you address questions of faith commitment and giving being progressive as a church and not regressive in regards to growth with a building program
1: okay um so i already talked a little bit about my view of giving so um i really think that the way uh, we give a we give as a church um, shouldn't really depend upon uh, the need of the church, but rather upon what is sacrificial in your own life. So I think that how you and I give as a believer should affect what kind of car we drive, what kind of house we buy, what kind of um, clothes we wear. Um, so I think that's one major aspect of how do we address uh, giving how do we address moving towards uh, a building project is just a fundamental uh, reworking of how we think about giving and not having it be a legalistic well you gave 10% so you're you know you're at least on the good side cuz you know you're under law so you did 10% but rather redirecting people and saying no, you're under grace. Give like you're under grace. Um, one of my professors that you know, I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants you to know, but him and his wife give 25%. That's, that's sacrificial, especially if you're on a faith salary. 25% of a faith salary is truly sacrificial. Okay, I think that's what giving should look like not saying that everybody should give 25%, but it should be sacrificial. It should require cuts. So how would I practically then um, lead? Um, If there's a a viable, seeable need. So uh, most church growth experts say that um, if you want to keep a building um, filled but not have people think that there's not space for them, is once you get to the 80% mark of seating being filled, um, you either need to um, somehow provide more seating or go to two services. But then they say don't go to two services unless you have 50 50 people for each service. Uh, If you look around, we don't have 50 people for each service. So um, it kind of puts us in a hard place by way of, building unless you actually have the finances to do it. Um, I am fairly strongly against debt. I'm not going to say that I think going into debt is sinful, but I would be um, fairly conservative in my fiscal approach in uh, numerous areas. Clarifying questions? I'm happy to address them either here or
0: elsewhere. And the next one, next couple questions. Uh, what are your thoughts about remodeling the garage into a youth center? Or some other
1: I'm in favor of the idea. Um, if you look around the church, there are a number of our young people that are going to be soon entering into that age where um, having a place that is dedicated towards uh, reaching the youth would be a good idea. Um, And so I think part of the pastor's responsibility is helping people see that's something that's coming up. Elijah is that age. Jordan and Izzy are coming up on that age. Uh, Alicia and Tyler's kids are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm not seeing her face, and I'm sitting here going. And the the sad thing is, Grace is the name of my sister. So. (laughs) I think this is getting recorded, so this is really bad. I'm going to stop before I am in more trouble. Um, yeah. So uh, there's a number of kids that are coming up at that age, and so we, sh- we should be willing to try and reach out to them. A lot of times, uh, if you're wanting to actually have a uh, ministry towards young people, you actually have to have young people that help to bring more young people in. And one of the really encouraging things – um, in Ghana was, we've seen a number of the young people that um, came up around my age group that kind of grew up and went through our various youth programs. I think two, three, maybe four of them. Now are actually getting ready to pursue the pastor in various ways um, from the church that I grew up in. If you include me, maybe four or five, um, maybe three. I think it's four, though. Um So if you show them that ministry is important by actually ministering to them, um, I think that's valuable. One thing that I would caution us on is there's a danger, I think, at times in our culture to think that we have to gear everything to a specific age group. So I'm I'm completely in favor of youth group. Um, However, I think that all too often um, we can have our... Church ministries be all of them geared towards a specific age category. So we have our um, our, our retired and up age group here. We have our uh, empty nesters here. We have our middle aged teenage parents here that go to this class. And our and number one, we don't have the people to teach all those classes. But even if we did, I would not be in favor of it because the church is supposed to be a body. So. Uh, you should be willing as a teenager to learn from uh, somebody your parents' age or from somebody who is uh, your great-grandparents' age. And so there needs to be this community. I'm I'm completely okay with and happy to um, engage youth one-on-one, but we really need to also be sure that we're including them and the whole body as a body because they're part of the bigger body. So, yes, youth group is good, it's important, but we don't want to forget that they're also part of the body of Christ. And so what does that practically look like? It looks like them being involved in regular ministry of the church as well as a more pointed,
0: focused ministry to them. Um, One last question about building projects, I guess. What are your thoughts about a building program to expand the auditorium with a kitchen and a multi-purpose area?
1: Okay, I'm happy to see a building project happen. Um, A lot of Sundays we are close to the 80% mark. Um, So the chances of numerical growth happening In the church that will lead to um, us either being able to do two services um, or uh, for us to be able to grow and then financially just pay for a new building are not very high. And the chances of me uh, leading us to borrow $2 million to build an auditorium that seats 150 are not very high. I remember in my church planting class, we were assigned a similar situation. You're a church planter, and you have a church auditorium that seats 50, and your church plant grows to the place where you have, like, 200 people attending. And the question was, how are you going to go about building? And the guy that was teamed up with me, and we were supposed to, like, talk through, how are we going to do this to grow the church? was like, we're just going to go borrow millions of dollars. And I'm like, I'm leaving and he's like, we're just going to borrow. I'm like, you're church planting by yourself, okay? So uh, to borrow such a huge – I'm not saying you can't borrow any money, but to borrow millions of dollars on a church hoping that you'll fill it, I'm not comfortable doing that. Um, so it, it, I'm not, I'm not going to lead us to do that. So if you're wanting to borrow $2 million to build another auditorium, the answer is going to be no from me. Um, having said that, um, sacrificial giving over a couple of years um, could lead to the place where maybe you could do something like a, a cheaper, uh, I forget what it's called, like a gymnasium type thing. I know Urbandale Baptist uh, for a while, I think they still do, um, met in like a gymnasium part. Same thing for Maranatha Baptist Church in Grimes. Uh, they built a gymnasium that sat more people. Didn't look as worshipful, maybe. Um, but while they uh, got more money, they used that facility. And you can build those a little cheaper. There are different programs that allow that. But i um, not against building, but I'm desirous of seeing um, a means to pay for it that's pretty clear.
0: you think technology specifically the social media is important in today's world in regards to the church
1: yeah so the church needs to be involved in uh, social media Um, I don't think that we can view it as a replacement though for genuine relationships I was listening to a podcast yesterday I think it was the briefing and Al Mohler was talking about how um, a lot of young people around my generation now uh, go to a uh, counselor and they go to the counselor just to sit and chat about life uh, because they don't have any friends to actually go to and talk to. They don't have parents that they feel like they can interact with about life's issues. Um, so if we're living in a generation, and this is probably more on the East and the West Coast, so more than the Midwest, but if we're living in a, a culture where people go to a counselor in order to um, have somebody to talk to, by putting out something on social media isn't going to bring them into the church. You're going to have to actually step out and make relationships one-on-one with them where they're willing to talk to you about life's big issues. And a lot of times, uh, once you actually start talking to somebody, it doesn't take that long before they start telling you their problems. Like, you sit and talk with somebody for 30 minutes, they're probably going to tell you their life problems. I mean, last Sunday night, I mentioned that our neighbor's son died had not met my neighbors uh the neighbor the mom of the child i literally was carrying anastasia in from the car and she stopped me and told me did you hear on thursday us crying that was my son that died that's all it took she saw the baby and it reminded her of her own kid so um being able to build on relationships but you do need to be involved in social media I think one of the things also that we need to do as a church if, you, if you're going to have a big social media presence um, the church needs to interact with it so if um, if you know how social media works um, like some of you know this some of you don't know this but when you get on Facebook there's two different ways to look at the news feed what are they most recent and top stories. Okay, So if you just go to Facebook and you just go, sometimes it'll take you to top stories. And so the stories come to you in random increments. And it's based on how many people like them and how many people comment on them. And that's what stories you see. If you hit most recent, then you see the most recently thing posted. And then you go all the way through the next 24 hours. And you get to yesterday, and you're like, phew they went an hour and a half of my life Um, so if you're gonna if the church is gonna have a Facebook account you need to interact with the church's Facebook account so that your friends see that it's being interacted with um, or else you're not gonna see it the other thing that I've um, listened to on a podcast recently was um, an interesting idea that I really like the idea of is having two different social media presences for the church so having a uh, emmanuel baptist church uh... facebook group and then an emmanuel baptist church site so the group is only allowed members are allowed access to so if we have a fellowship at my home i can put my address on there and only people that are in this group can see the address of my house so it's not like i'm putting this your address out so everybody in the world that's on facebook can see your home's address It's only the people in this group and then the other thing is more for reaching out so Uh, posting verses on there, posting uh, quotes, posting um, links to sermon and things like that that you can share to kind of get the name of the church out in that way. So having two different social media presences
0: with two different distinct purposes for each. Um, The next question was kind of in regards to, I think you pretty much answered it, how would you address social media for the church, Facebook, online, sermon, videos, etc.?
1: Um, Facebook Live is an interesting idea. Uh, Part of me is kind of scared about the idea of my sermons being live. As um, I mentioned earlier, I don't think that uh, my pulpit presence is the best. Uh, um, A little too many ums and excellence. How's that for response? Um, sometimes I put my hands in my pocket too much. My professor said, get some, paper cli- or not paper cli- some safety pins and pin my pants so I don't do that as much. I haven't done it yet, but uh, so bad that my professor said, do it. um, um yeah. <laughs> so um,
0: <laughs> I know. It's going downhill.
1: I would be interested in doing stuff like that. I think that you need to make sure that you are willing, number one, to invest in a high-quality camera if you're going to do it. Um, it also, I think, is nice for days where uh, you have snow days. It's nice to be able to broadcast a sermon. You can share it. You can like it. You can comment on it. Uh, and it also is just a nice way to show your friends this is what goes on at our church because – a lot of people that you invite to your church are not going to come to your church uh... without listening to a sermon like i'm not going to go to your church unless i listen to your pastor's sermon so in some way you need to have audio and video is also a very nice feature to add But you need to have the quality equipment to do it so you don't want to have a bad camera that you're broadcasting the church's stuff with if you're going to do it, you need to actually invest in uh, a number of a couple hundred dollar camera. I don't know what that is. I have not looked at cameras to do live feed with, but you would need to plan on some expenses that way. And you would need to have Wi Fi at the church so that you can do it. So, Facebook Live is something that I'd be interested in.
0: Okay. Brave new world out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, more long more questions um, what are your thoughts on apps on cell phones and computer sites that further the study of God's words and in relation to people instead of having their Bibles they turn on their computers or their cell phones at work or your okay. church uh, I have no problem
1: with uh, digital Bibles in church um, I'm not sure what the question driving at so I'm going to I'm going to tell you my personal opinion on um, some of the stuff, and maybe I'm completely in left field, and if so, you know my opinion. And you have it for extra. Um, as far as me recommending a lot of resources that are I'm, – I'm hesitant to even name them because then you'll be like, oh, what's that one? Uh, but there are a number of uh, blogs and such that provide uh, biblical insight on – Various topics of Christian living, and a lot of them have very good stuff to offer. I don't personally share a lot of them on Facebook, uh, just because a lot of them also are going to have other doctrinal influences that I'm going to disagree with at times. So if I share it on my public platform to you or through the church's platform, it almost seems like there's a endorsements of that website or that app. Um, And so I don't want you to be listening to an app that, you know, maybe on 99 points of doctrine I'm in complete agreement with them, but then they have one point that I'm in disagreement with them. So by way of digital Bibles, I'm completely fine with. um, But I'm probably not going to do much by way of recommending other sources for study. Without providing a critique, one of the things that I'm kind of bouncing around in my head. I'm not sure if I'll do it or not. Uh, back when I attended Emmanuel or Ankeny Baptist Church in Ankeny, um, on the back of the bulletin every week, the pastor had a the pastor's page. So he just kind of write like a short essay. About various things. Sometimes it'd be devotional. Sometimes it'd be, uh, "This is where we're going as a church," or "This I went to this meeting and this was kind of the big themes of the meeting," or just a way for him to communicate, but not in a formal way from the pulpit. So you just read the back of the bulletin and you knew what pastor was thinking that week. Um, but it'd be nice in ways to be able to recommend resources that way. But once again, there are very few resources that I am comfortable with a blanket recommendation to a congregation because there are not many resources that are put out by uh, people that are of my exact stripe and color within Christendom so there's going to be slight disagreements and I don't want you uh, hearing those or seeing or reading those and then not knowing that I disagree with them and then I have A problem that I don't know I have. Uh, Does that make sense? It's kind of a, it's a tricky question. You have a (laughs) follow-up? Go ahead. Okay. okay.
0: I could come anoint your head. (laughs) 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 It's water. It's
1: It's a little too close to sprinkle baptism,
0: huh? Um, what are your thoughts on Emmanuel having a type of online teaching teaching presence online Uh, at least at the beginning uh, the main
1: teaching presence would be uh, things that I'm already doing publicly Uh, for me right now when I prepare a Sunday morning sermon um, I'm normally looking at 10 to 15 hours Sunday night same thing uh what I'm doing right now for Sunday school, I plan between two and three hours. Wednesday night was also between two and three hours. Uh, you add that all up. Uh, you're at, you know, let's say we'll average it out to 25 hours for Sunday morning, Sunday night. Another two and a half for Sunday, Sunday school. Wednesday, you're at 30 hours. Um, how many hours should a pastor spend praying? Somebody give me a number. Yes. A week. How many hours? Just play with me. 10 hours. 10 hours. Okay, so we're at 40 hours a week. Uh, How many hours should I spend visiting somebody? It varies. varies. On average, five hours. Okay, five hours a week. How many hours should I spend doing administrative work? You see, once you start adding up all the things, uh, for me to say that I'm going to have an additional preaching presence. At some point, becomes unrealistic. I just can't do it and take care of my wife and fulfill all the other offices that are required of a pastor—not offices, but responsibilities. Um, so very quickly, a pastor's schedule adds up to about 60 hours a week, and some weeks are going to be 80. Other weeks, if you have a guest speaker, you might be down closer to 50. Um, hopefully, you're working ahead towards the next week, so mm-hmm. it averages out a little bit. But um, very quickly, a pastor's schedule gets quite packed. So at at least at the beginning when I'm starting off, uh, my primary online presence is going to be through what I regularly do. I have no problem uh, recording what we do on Sunday school and Wednesday night, but it's very discussion-oriented, and so audio recordings don't work so well.